Hey, can we talk? You know, just like for a minute, please. Can we talk? Or 30? Aren't they all around 30? Isn't it weird that I don't plan that? Every single episode is just about 30 minutes, give or take. That is quantitative proof that 30 minutes is all I've got. It's all I got in the tank. 20 would feel a little short. 40 would feel exhausting. This is a man who does not deviate. This is a man who has found a rhythm in life. This is a man who actually needs to fight routine. This is a man who's referring to himself as a man. To start episode 148. Now monotony seems to be the enemy for some. Nobody would want to wake up and live the same day over and over and over and over. But what if it was a good day? Kind of feels like I'm doing that this summer. It's a really good day. But when you have a newborn, it's really tend to her. Change that diaper. Rock her. Put her down for a little sleep. Hand her to mommy. Get that booby milk. Change that diaper, rocker, put her to sleep. Morning becomes afternoon, becomes night. Do it again, do it again. Morning becomes afternoon, becomes night. Do it again, do it again, do it again. I'm in it. I'm in the rhythm. And the holding her, the holding her. How many throw pillows do I need to get comfortable? If it's time for TV on the couch, you don't just hold the baby on the couch. You got to get one throw pillow. Under your elbow, good. Now, just could I get the other throw pillow under the other elbow? Great. And let me just get a pillow behind my head. Uh huh. And could I just put a pillow under my feet on the coffee table? Yeah, just like that. And could someone grab me a water and maybe the remote and my cell phone? How high maintenance do I need to be to hold the damn baby? How's your throw pillow game? Think about it right now. Your main couch, your main sofa. How many throw pillows are on there? If you tell me, you don't need throw pillows to get comfortable, then please stop listening to this podcast and find something else to do. This podcast is strictly for people that understand the value of throw pillows. That's how it's being advertised on Spotify and iTunes. This is more of a throw pillow type of podcast. Now I'm being totally serious. I have the shittiest posture, even without a baby. I go to the couch, try to get comfy. I'm using probably four to five throw pillows. Wedge one right next to my hip. Good. Got to support the lower back. Yep. Got to throw a pillow there. And back of the knees. Yep. And what about my left side? Oh, what am I, a stuffed animal? I'm falling, I'm falling, I'm falling, I'm falling. Throw a pillow me. Give me that rescue pillow or else I could fall off the damn thing. I've known this my whole life. My posture is so bad. I've known this because they shove us into desks throughout our lives. Even kindergarten. When you're five years old and that room full of wonder, a five-year-old is going to school, get in your desk. At least that's how it was with Mrs. Metzger in 1986. In 1986, Mrs. Metzger's kindergarten room was uncomfortable. Just like first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, high school, college. They all throw you into these hard plastic desks and I would slouch. I'd have the back of my neck on the back of the chair. Tossing and turning, trying to focus on the lesson plan, trying to focus on my work, trying to focus on the teacher. But really, what am I doing? Focusing on the clock, the ticking of the clock. Tick, 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 
tick, tick, tick. Where's the fucking bell? Tick, 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 tick. Where's the fucking bell? Tick, 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 tick. Where's the fucking bell? You know that old song from my first album? And that is why I have great empathy for the kids in the classroom that look a little uncomfortable. Now, I'm actually talking about physical comfort right now. I'm not talking about emotional comfort. I'm talking about physical comfort. Inside of my classroom right now, there are 36 desks made of metal and plastic. And if you think about the best learning environment, think about yourself right now. What environment is most conducive to your learning? Maybe you're the type of person that likes to listen to podcasts and go on a run. And that's a learning experience. Or when you watch a good documentary on the couch with nine throw pillows, you got to get comfortable on that couch. Or when you read a book at home, when you read a book at home, don't you need the most comfortable situation to just fall into with that book? Yeah. You would never think, oh, I got a great new book today at Barnes and Noble. I'd love to sit on a plastic seat with metal legs, no area to lean forward, backward to the side where I just kind of have to be still. No, learning has to be paired with comfort. I truly believe this. And there is a slight movement towards that. There have been a few schools that have piloted some programs about no desks, let the kids roam free, little nooks, little stand-up stations where they can waltz around the room. That might sound like chaos to some teachers because part of it is managing the classroom. But my buddy who was on this podcast, Jason Searle, his classroom, it's like three or four doors down from me. It's completely different than any other room. He has big, comfortable bean bags. He has like a few long buffet tables, a couple of love seats, some big leather chairs. This is all true. I think he's been doing this for about seven years where kids come into the room and there's no assigned seating. Hey, fall into a beanbag. They need something to write on. Here's the back of a book. No desks in that room. Now, I don't have any data or evidence of if it works better for learning, but doesn't it sound like it would? If I had 34 students in Lazy Boys and I'm going for the same exact learning experience that I had been trying in previous years, I think the outcome would be a little better. If every student got a Lazy Boy and two throw pillows and that Lazy Boy had a cup holder, a mini fridge on the side, recline, put your feet back, and then a little slide around surface area to write, didn't everybody just improve their grade? Okay, I shouldn't say everybody, but I bet a lot of them aren't looking at that clock. Tick, 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 tick. Where's the fucking bell? Nope. They're probably so engaged with Rosenberg that when the bell rings, it's, oh my God, what, what was that? It's alarming to their system because they were so vectored into what was going on. Let's get rid of the damn desks. How innovative. We're about a month away. We're about a month away. The CDC now says teachers and students that are fully vaccinated might not have to wear masks. Okay. And all of a sudden that sounds foreign. Teaching humans when you can see their faces. Holy shit. And I also have another idea. Instead of put your phone away and put your phone away. Hey, could you put your phone away? Hey, could you put your phone away? Hey, phone's away. Just turn the whole surface of a desk into a smartphone surface. That hard surface under their face, make it like the screen of an iPhone. So there's no reason to reach into your backpack anymore. 
and I can guide the experience. Hey, eyes up and now eyes down. Does this work or does it sound like I would lose them in a hurry? I don't know, but we have to reinvent everything, right? After a pandemic, to think the kids are just going to lapse back into how it used to be, forget about it. We have to rethink everything. We're all feral animals now. Trying to squeeze back into how it used to be. Uh Uh-uh, not going to work. Where's my throw pillow? All right, if I say Peter Coyote, do you know who I'm talking about? It's not a children's book. It's not a cartoon. If I say Peter Coyote, do you know who I'm talking about? He was in E.T. if you're a movie fan. He's an actor. He's an author. He's a Zen Buddhist teacher and priest. He's 79 years old. And the man has lived a life. He's written two memoirs. And I just finished one of them. It's called The Rainmaker's Third Cure. So Peter Coyote tells a story about his upbringing in New York. Jewish family comes out west after college. And starts living that hippy-dippy commune life with other like-minded young people in San Francisco, forming the group The Diggers. And they're anarchist, anti-government, anti-establishment. And I guess they were very artsy too. It was like a street theater group that was also living the free love and drugs lifestyle, questioning big government and corporations, and just kind of wandering into this psychedelic world together. And that's young Peter Coyote. But as the book progresses, he discovers Buddhism. He grows up. He gets clean. He was a heroin addict. And he tells the whole story of how he stopped using and went through withdrawals. And the guy is an incredible writer. I highly recommend this book, The Rainmaker's Third Cure. Every sentence is like perfectly crafted. He's a gifted writer. And he's honest. Talking about these drug trips. How he was on peyote. When he was hallucinating and saw these coyote paw prints. And then a shaman named Rolling Thunder told him, you are that coyote, Peter. So he changed his name. He was Peter Cohon. And now Peter Coyote has written books. And it just so happens that I'm connected to the coyote. My buddy Josh Friday, who has been on this podcast, he has been the mayor of Novato, and now he works for the state of California. He's good friends with Peter Coyote. Just happens to be good friends with him. I guess their political paths have crossed. I don't even really know. The story of how they met. I just know that Josh Friday has famous friends because he works in politics. And a lot of celebrities like to reach out to politicians because I guess they would likely want a bigger platform to express their views and have a big voice. And sometimes you have to funnel that through the channels of local politics and local politicians. So yeah, Josh knows Peter. Peter knows Josh. And Josh knows that I'm interested in this world of meditation. So a month from now, I'm going to meet Peter Coyote. I'm going to meet Pete. And meditate with this guy. And soon I'll be in a cult. I know that. Soon I'm going to leave this urbanized modern life behind. And just wear a red robe all day. Om. Om. Will likely be the only word I say. I know where this is going. Soon I will be a full-on Buddhist. And I will be living on a farm out in Sebastopol. You know where this is going, right? But in all honesty, the discovery of these Buddhist ways and Satori and Nirvana and to become enlightened, it's fascinating. It actually connects with what my goal is, and that's just to ease the stresses of life, knowing they're always going to remain. That's it. And to almost welcome the obstacles. How about that? Not to fear them, not to shy away from them, 
But every day I wake up, I say, bring it on, bitches. Bring it on. Something that's going to make me angry, bring it on. Something that's going to make me sad, bring it on. I want to develop that mindset where I'm so equipped to deal with life's many lows and even highs that it doesn't phase me and that I don't react like a maniac, which I've been known to do. And so it doesn't consume me. And really, it's not a religion. Even though, of course, you could argue that, yes, yes, it is a religion. If you really read about it, it's just philosophies that give you some tools on how to be in power. In power of your existence in an unpredictable world. I mean, the book is good. It's a lot of teachings. It's a lot of true stories. Give me that. Give me the old school guru instead of the new age self-help guy on Instagram. How many of these dumb fucks on Instagram are trying to get enough followers and write a shitty book to have a famous name and a podcast that people listen to and then all of a sudden people go to them for self-help? But really, what were you? These motivational morons all over social media. Hey, make today the best day. A million likes. Well, I never thought of it that way. I could make today the best day. Hey, you weaklings. Isn't it time for you to let the dogs out and raise the roof? No bad days. There are a lot of influencers who are just Googling positivity, mantras, slogans, things to put up on their platform with all of their followers. And now all of a sudden they get a reputation. No, thanks. Give me 80 year old Peter Coyote who has discovered the enlightened ways of the Buddha. Give me that. Give me someone who knows how to wear the robe, rub the Buddha belly, Put up a painting of Siddhartha on the wall. Give me that. Give me that. Just feels a little more ancient. And isn't that what we want to guide us? Something that's just very old. I like an old story. If it's too new, it feels like a cult. I like something very ancient and old. You tell me it's thousands of years ago, then, yeah, it's in the fabric of our culture and I could really cling on to that. But if you told me, yeah, there's this new movement. It was uh, formed about six months ago. It's led by a guy named Horoto. And Horoto tells us that we need to avoid meat, that we should be biking everywhere, that we should all have three to four grenades in our house at all times, and to wear a necklace of bison teeth. Can I get you a Hiroto shirt? No, you can't get me a goddamn Hiroto shirt, but if Hiroto was from 4,000 years ago, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty into Hiroto lately with my bison tooth necklace. It's all we're looking for, ancient stories or stories of any kind. Isn't that true? Even when you watch a movie, you connect with it way more than if your cousin told you they were going through something. Like really, what affected you more? The Notebook with Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams? Is that her name? Sweet Rach? Were you more emotional in The Notebook or when your cousin told you that they were going through a rough patch? Right, and that's because Hollywood knows the recipe to get to our heart. Good stories. Where do you find these good stories? I don't know. Scripture, Torahs, Bibles, hymns, hymns. Isn't that weird how invested we could become in a two-hour movie? Well, you could read like a quick news story about a million people suffering in a country that you don't know much about and you won't be that emotionally impacted. You could watch some dumb rom-com tonight and there might be a few scenes where you're like, oh, oh no, oh, there it goes. There's my tears. And then you could read a news story currently in the world right now 
about people dealing with true strife and you just move on with your day. It's all the packaging. It's the packaging of how we are fed our stories. You feed me stories with calm music, good old-fashioned robes, years of tradition, I'll buy it, I'll buy it. I think that's a main challenge of teaching history. Hey, get into your uncomfortable plastic desk, and I'm going to tell you about a lot of atrocities that have happened in history, and then we're going to test you on it. Did it hit your heart? Did you emotionally connect with it? Eh, eh. Some do, some don't. It all just goes back to what is the most comfortable way to learn? Probably when you're ready to learn and if it's something that you want to learn and actually piques your interest. But even if not, get a lazy boy with some snacks. And he's about to say throw pillows, isn't he? This broken record. And some throw pillows with logos of Siddhartha on them. Or Horoto, whatever you'd prefer. Actually, you know who should be a cult leader? You know who should be a deity? A deity? Is Dolly. That's right. 39 years old, folks, and I'm going through a Dolly Parton phase. Thank God my wife loves me. When I tell her seriously, honey, I'm going through my uh, Dolly Parton phase, she doesn't judge. She doesn't make fun of me. She just goes, okay, okay. You good luck with that. But it's true. How, Josh? I'll be doing both parts of this dialogue. How, Josh? How'd you discover Dolly? Well, we've all known about Dolly forever, right? Isn't she 200 years old? Always been famous. Just exudes happiness and light. But what about the music? Do you know Dolly's music? You might know Jolene and you might know 9 to 5. But the way I discovered Dolly, which is either the unnatural or natural path, is the Spotify algorithms. So I've talked about the Bee Gees documentary, but when the Bee Gees' reputation took a hit and their career was going downhill, they were still in hot demand for their writing skills and they wrote the song Islands in the Sun. Islands in the Sun. You know it. I'll play it. Or Islands in the Stream. Sorry, sorry. I guess Island in the Sun is Weezer. And don't get me going on Weezer. That's its own episode, folks. But Islands in the Stream, you know it, right? So the Bee Gees wrote the song, but nobody was interested in their disco bullshit anymore, so they gave it to Dolly. And what did she do with it? I think we all know. great, right? It's great. Little did I know that one of my favorite songs in high school, Ghetto Superstar with Maya and Praz, was basically ripping that off entirely. Here's that. Here's that.
and that was so great. I'd never heard of Islands in the Stream with Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. But now I see that documentary. I go, all right, Islands in the Stream. Been playing it way too often. Like a fool, my wife wakes up, smells the coffee, hears me making breakfast, and of course I'm playing Islands in the Stream. And then I go to Spotify and I click on the song and then I click on go to radio and there's an algorithm for it. Well, if you like this song, then you'll like this song and this song and this song and this song. If you don't have Spotify, it's amazing. It'll guide your listening experience. So of course I'm like, yeah, you know what? I do like Dolly now. And I hear a song called Harper Valley PTA. I've never heard. And it's not even Dolly's. It was actually originally a song in 1968 for Jeannie C. Riley written by a guy named Tom T. Hall. Hey, Tom, thanks for the lyrics. And Jeannie, your version's not even close to Dolly's. But then I discovered Harper Valley PTA by Dolly Parton, and I've been playing the shit out of it every day. I mean, the song has some great elements to it. And then I kept Googling. I went down a deep rabbit hole. Deep. I discovered it was also a movie? Huh? So what's it about? Well, first I'll give you a taste. And I guarantee you'll like it. I've never guaranteed that when playing a song, but I guarantee you'll like it. I'll just give you a taste of a little Harper Valley PTA. Tell them, Dolly. I want to tell you all a story that a Harper Valley widow by Who had a teenage daughter that attended Harper Valley Junior High Well, her daughter came love those drums when it kind of heats up a little bit and then dolly tells the rest of the story which gets you really riled up if you're like come on don't write the mom a letter like that if your pta is corrupt full of hypocrites contradicting yourselves i smell gin on your breath and i know you all cheat on your wives please listen to the rest of the song if you want but you know it's good And then I realized, wait, there's more and more and more great country from this era as I keep going down the rabbit hole. Now I'm into Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, Patsy Cline, Loretta Lynn, Willie Nelson, George Jones. Yes, Kenny Rogers too. And I'm thinking, oh, oh. They call this country music, but I've always said I don't like country music. What I mean is I don't like the new stuff. I don't like the Kenny Chesney, Tim McGraw, Garth Brooksy bullshit, but old school country? Are you kidding me? So good. Glenn Campbell? I mean, really old school. It sounds like a different genre altogether. So I'm going through a pretty uh, hot Dolly Parton face. You might as well. If you need something this summer, if you need an identity change, 
just kind of tell your group of friends, yeah, I'm into Dolly lately. And they'll be like, oh, is that new? Dolly? Is that a rapper? D-A-L-E, Dolly. And you're like, no. Once you listen closely, you just grab them by the collar. I meant Dolly Parton, you insensitive asshole. Like, oh, whoa, whoa, okay, okay, okay. I don't know why it had to become so contentious. But Harper Valley PTA, it's about empowering females, okay? You express your womanhood in that dress. In all honesty, they have cracked down on that, telling girls how to dress. In high school, the whole dress code policy, no spaghetti straps, can't show your midriff. Our newspaper has written about that, our high school newspaper, and some of the administrators are just like, yeah, we're losing that battle. I even talked to the campus supervisors. and like, we just kind of walk past it now. Because when you tell a 16-year-old girl, hey, your skirt is too short, that could uh, delve into the idea of shaming, shaming a young woman, get the parents involved, get lawyers involved. I think that's the main goal of public school. Let's just keep the lawyers out of this. It's not a new topic, though. Dolly was singing about it years ago, okay? I am woman, hear me roar. All right. So it's a full house, as you know. Pretty full. Even had a bunch of family visiting in town, so it's been a lot. It's been a lot. But no pets. Muggsy passed away January 22nd. Have not replaced him. Didn't do the old, we need to immediately go to the Humane Society and get another dog. Nope, no, we didn't do that. Didn't get anything. Didn't get a cat, didn't get a fish, didn't get a turtle. But my wife was perusing through next door and a neighbor put up a post. Moving, need to find a new home for my parrot. And she showed me it as a joke and I was like, parrot? Could we? So last night we went and looked. We brought our two daughters to this really nice lady up on Esmire. And she's like, yeah, my parrot is seven years old, well-trained, very nice. Would you take it off our hands? As if we're potential suitors. And at first I was like, we just kind of wanted to see, you know, kill some time, see your parrot. But after about 20 minutes, my little daughter fell in love with this parrot named Dexter. And they are majestic. They're really cool looking birds. And so we said, we'll try it out. So I do have the parrot here at the house. I think, I don't know, this could last a few days before we bring it back. But at least for right now, Dexter's here. Dexter, it's episode 148. Let's close it out, huh? Come here. Come here. They said don't open the cage, but I'm just going to open it a little bit. Hello. Just like any parrot. That's probably the appeal that they do know some words. Dexter. Dexter. Hello. None of that was true. Just me trying to do my parrot impression because, folks, I've lost my mind. And, yep, you sat through it. I appreciate that. Leave a rating on iTunes. Episode 148. Hello. Hello. Dexter, quiet down, you fictional sack of shit. Hello. You're a sack of shit. 
Oh, how dare you, Dexter? We're going to return you. All right, this episode's in the books. I guess I will, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you soon.